Good morning. That right there is what uh, Timberline is all about. Jesus Christ, front and center. Amen? You doing good? How many of you stayed up for the full CSU game last night? Wow. Look at that. Well, I hope you have room to lay down and take a nap. Uh, what a game. It, it almost felt like CSU won, even though they didn't. You know, just the way they played and, and all that. So anyway, uh, we're glad you're here. Um, we're all about Jesus, but we like sports too sometimes. But you don't need to email me on it. <laughs> it. It's so funny. We have a few people in our church that hate sports. And if I ever mention them, it's like, we're here to worship Jesus, not to talk about sports. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He's, he's the center. Amen. <laughs> oh, man, it's so fun to be with you. I, I just love weekends and, and getting to, to, to be here and to share thoughts. It's just amazing um, how God's using you in our community. Just stories that I get from people who randomly stop me in a grocery store or whatever and say, you know, we had these people from Timberline Church and they, you know, aren't you that guy? And I'm like, and they tell me stories about you and it just makes me so proud and thankful and and then other stories, not so proud. <laughs> We're in Mark chapter 10. We've been there a while. And uh, we are just walking through the book of Mark. If you're new to Timberline, we're going verse by verse and not skipping any parts. And we're just loving every minute of it. Have you ever really wanted something until you got it? You know what I mean by that? It's like, I remember Bonnie coming to me one time. We kind of had this little acreage out in the north of town, and and we we like that. We like that kind of rural living. But she said, "Derry, I found the cutest rabbits that our kids would just love. And we, if we could build some pens, and they're the house rabbits that are kind of big. You know what I mean? And she said, our kids are at the perfect age. And she talked me into it, and we got them." And we built these pens, and I'll tell you what, it was a mistake. Those rabbits are noisy, and they are busy. Our kids saw things they should have never seen. I mean, it was like, get rid of those rabbits, and we got rid of them, and they were delicious. But I'm telling you, uh, no, I'm kidding. I, no, I, that's not true. That's not true. <laughs> oh, this, this message is about... A couple of guys that, that thought they wanted something, but they really didn't realize what it would take to get that. And so we're going to walk through Mark chapter 10 and uh, look at, it's James and John who wanted to sit one on the right, one on the left next to Jesus in his kingdom. That's a big request. And this whole message is about servanthood. And that's why this weekend is all about those tents out there. And take your kids out there. I mean, they'll love riding that slide and food trucks. It's just to walk around and see all the ways we can serve. But number one in your outline is basically, am I listening? Because the story starts with the disciples regathering. They're walking. They're moving. They're going to a different place. And, and Jesus starts to tell them what's about to happen. So let me read the first couple of parts here. It says, they were now on the way up to Jerusalem. Jesus was walking ahead of them, and the disciples were filled with awe. The people behind them were overwhelmed with 
fear. All these great things have happened, and Jesus has done stuff, and they're like, wow. So taking the 12 disciples aside, so you get the picture. Jesus is walking. Now he says, come here, guys. Uh, and he, he takes them to be alone for a little bit, and he wants to tell them something real important. And he says, um, I want to describe to you everything that's about to happen. Listen, he said, we're going up to Jerusalem where the Son of Man, who's that? That's Jesus. Did they know that was Jesus? Yes, they did. They knew he was talking about himself. Now, here's your job in the next 30 seconds as I read this. Is there anything I read in these 30 seconds that you do not understand? Is Jesus vague? Is it confusing? Just, just ask that question as I read it. Where the Son of Man is going to be betrayed to the leading priests, the teachers of religious law. They will sentence him to die and hand him over to the Romans. They will mock him, spit on him, flog him with a whip, and kill him. But after three days, he will rise again. Did you understand that? Was there anything confusing about it? Why do you suppose the disciples didn't hear it? Seems impossible to me. I've walked through this and through this and through this. But they didn't get it. They didn't hear it. And I think it's partly because they already had the end in mind for their plans for Jesus. They were convinced he was going to set up a kingdom, destroy Rome, and they would be leaders, and finally they would get their fair share and say and authority. They just didn't listen. And I'm, I'm, I'm amazed at the times I don't listen. I'm amazed at the times I just don't really hear what I'm supposed to hear. You know, I, as a speaker, you, you, you get people, sometimes I get these emails and it says, you know, when you said last weekend, and I read it in quotes and I'm going, I didn't say that. And, and I, sometimes I've emailed them back and said, you can listen to the sermon, it's online. I, I didn't say that because they're mad that I said this. And I'm like, I didn't say that. But I've learned sometimes people who are sort of grumpy toward you for whatever reason, they, they hear only what they want to hear. And people who really like you and they like when you talk, they hear even better things than what you actually say. It works out pretty good. But it's a real challenge because I don't think, I think sometimes we really do hear what we want to hear rather than what is really said. And so they had an end in mind. And how does this relate to us? Let me just give you a couple thoughts before we move to point two. We often project our wants into assuming that that is what God wants for us. You with me? I, I really want this. And, and I know the psalm says, delight yourself in the Lord and he gives you the desires of your heart. The key is in the delight. When it starts, it means to plunge into fully, wholeheartedly. And your desires become godly. Suddenly, you don't want the things just that the flesh wants, a new car or whatever. You want what God wants you to want, and he can give you those desires. That's what that means. But sometimes we project our wants into saying, God, you must want me to want that, so you take care of this. You get this for me. You take care of that. Or we start living for our desires more than submitting to the will of God. 
Do you know that obedience is not always very easy? Sometimes God requires stuff of us, and we need to get that part right as well. We try to be optimistic and deny reality. This is a tendency I've had in my life in leadership. I'm very optimistic. I believe in people before I ever know them. And I believe God can do stuff. And I think sometimes the dream I'm dreaming is just going to happen, and it doesn't. And i got to get on my knees again and say, God, where am I wrong? How come I didn't listen to you? I, I just really thought this would happen. So I have to pay attention to what is God's plan versus just what I want in my life. Let me give you an example of a big learning thing that I went through. When, when I, we, Bonnie and I came in 1986 to pastor this church, and we were meeting over on LeMay, and we'd been probably four or five years in. And the church was really growing. We were a young couple, 27 years old, small kids, and just, just the church was just going through a, a complete change. And, and I've never been a numbers guy. I can honestly tell you, I've never like, you know, called in Monday and said, how many people did we have there that weekend or whatever. I just believe obedience, preaching truth, being on, those are kind of the things I care about. And so whether you grow or not, I'm not motivated by that that much, even though we were growing. And so our secretary at the time, Joyce Thompson, do any of you remember Joyce? A couple of you, yeah, great, great lady. She said, Pastor Derry, I know you don't care about this, but you need to come in my office for a minute. And I said, okay. She said, I want to talk to you about our attendance. This is the first time ever in our church's history that we have averaged over 1,000 people in attendance. And I was like, oh, wow, thank you. That's cool. And at that time, like 91 or 92, it was a big deal. There are very few churches. I bet less than 25 or 30 churches in all of America that had an average sense of a thousand. So I wasn't belittling and I was just, I said, thank you. I went back to my office and um, I, I sat down and honestly, it like hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm like, I can't pastor a church of a thousand people. Why did she tell me that? I'm done. I was like 32 years old or whatever. And I'm like, I can't, I can't do this job. I, I looked up just like this. As I was sitting there and I said, God, I think I'm supposed to resign. I can't do this job. Man, I wish you hadn't told me that. And I just started getting freaked out. And, and I, I literally said, I thought maybe, I said this to God, maybe my calling is to come to a smaller church and help it and get systems in place and, and then go to the next assignment. And that's what I, I do. And I said, okay, God. And that's what I said. I said, God, thank you for journeying with me to fulfill my dream. It's, it's fulfilled. I, I think I'm, I'm done here. And I heard this, not audible, but it was powerful in my soul. Northrop. And anytime God says Northrop to me, I like. And this is, I wrote this down on a yellow journal pad that was on my desk. It's a word-for-word quote of what I felt in my spirit. I have journeyed with you while you have fulfilled your dream. Now will you journey with me while I fulfill mine? I started weeping. I'm a crybaby anyway. I mean, I, I could cry right now thinking about that moment. I turned around, and I just got on my knees in that chair, and I said, okay, I, I died that day. I just said, okay, I, I am not ambitious. I have no other goals. I just have to obey you and follow you. It's your dream. It's your church. I step away from any sense of ownership. And boy, has it been a ride all of these years. And thank God I, I didn't leave 
because I would have never seen all of this and your influence in the community and how God is using you around the world. I'm so thankful to be a part of something like this. But I died. And that's a good illustration for me to recognize that this isn't my doing. It's not what I want. It's not the desires of my heart. It's saying, yes, Lord, I am listening. I want what you want because you know what's best for my life. Number two, be careful what you ask for. Be careful what you ask for. This is, a, this is the moment when James and John are going to come to Jesus and make the big ask. So here we go. Verse 35. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, they came over and they spoke to Jesus. Teacher, they said, we want you to do us a favor. What is your request, he asked. So they replied, when you sit on your glorious throne, Guys, Jesus just told them he's going to die. They didn't hear it. When you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in places of honor next to you. One on your right and one on your left. I can just see him standing there smiling. But Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering that I am about to drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering that I'm baptized with? Oh, yes, they replied, we are. <laughs> it's like, it's so human, isn't it? Oh, yeah, no problem. We got that. Yeah, we got that. That's what they said. Yeah, we are able. Then Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from the bitter cup and be baptized with my baptism of suffering. But I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. God has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. Wow. I love how they started this. Now just think about this. They came to Jesus, and this is an exact quote. We want you to do us a favor. Is that good theology? <laughs> Probably not. God wants to give his kids good gifts. That's New Testament. It's true. But we really need to pay attention to what we ask God for. And I think it's really kind of humorous when, when God says, Jesus says to him, what is your request? <laughs> it's like, okay, let's play this. Let's go along with it here and see what they really want. What is it that you really want? And they kind of just said, yeah, we're willing to do whatever. Let me, let me make this statement real fast. Salvation is paid for. Your salvation is paid for, no doubt about it. Don't hear anything other than that. Our sins are forgiven by what Christ did on the cross. Nothing more is required. But discipleship, maturity, growth, my life being spent could require death. It could require everything I have. We don't just add Jesus to the grocery cart and go along our shopping trip. This is, a, this is an all-life, all-consuming decision to follow Jesus with everything and to give him my all. The Bible talks about when Jesus said, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. You know, these are the parts that sometimes we, we shrink back. It's kind of like walking into someone's office and looking at the certificates that they've earned on the wall, and you see a PhD, and you go, wow. 
That's impressive. That is a beautiful certificate. Do you mind if I make a copy of that and put my name on that and put that in my office? Oh, no, go ahead. Click. You could do that. You could put that certificate in your office with your name on it, but it would be a lie because you don't just put the certificate on the wall. You earn it. And it takes years and dollars and time and sacrifice. And that's what we're talking about here. James and John are wanting to just put the certificate on the wall. We'll sit here, no problem. We got this. Sometimes we have no idea what we're really asking for. Number three, am I a team player? Am I a team player? I think I am. I think if you ask our staff, if you ask the people who are around me daily, they would say I absolutely am. But this created a real problem with the 12 disciples. There are 12 of them, right? So look at what the next verse says. This verse 41, it's a lot in here even though it's short. When the 10 other disciples, <laughs> when the 10 other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were so happy for them. No, they were indignant. They were not happy at all. They were frustrated. Did you hear what those guys asked? Who do they think they are? Let's, let's take them out behind the woodshed. Let's teach them a lesson. See, we, we think of these disciples as good old buddies that always get along and they're around the fire having drink and food and, and it's just all. No, they've got a tax collector that's a rich dude named Matthew who doesn't even relate to the fishing world. They're constantly bickering about stuff. Jesus is going over and breaking up arguments all the time because they don't really make a good team. But Jesus saw the potential of what they could be if they would surrender to his will. And that's what God sees. You guys, we are a team. And it matters how we treat each other. It matters. It matters about the reputation of God. I start thinking about this. How do I view my teammates? How do I honor them? Do I see myself as more valuable because I'm the senior pastor? It's a, it's a terrible trick that Satan plays on people who have authority. We are called to be the greatest servant, right? I, I think it's very important, and I tell our team all the time, we all have equal value in God's kingdom. Every person in this room, I don't care what your role is, you have the same value. You're created by God in the same way that anyone else is. That's why this comparison game is awful. It either makes you feel good about yourself because you're better or worse about yourself because you could never measure up to that. You need to forget all that and say, am I doing my potential that God gave me? Am I, am I reaching that, am I striving to be everything God wants me to be? So we all have equal value. Now I realize it. I sit in a chair that has other responsibilities that not all of our staff has. They have responsibilities that I have through them. So I get that. But it's very important that we pay attention. I, my goal is to find people with gifts and talents and to release them to do it. Find out what they're good at and have them do more of that. Find out what they're bad at and stop them from doing those things. <laughs> Am I excited when others are promoted or honored? Think of your workplace. Oh, 
they don't deserve that. If, if the boss really knew what was going on around here. <laughs> right? Right? I've been here five years longer than them. I didn't get promoted. What kind of teammate? Do I share knowledge or insight with new people that will help them adjust? Or do I want them to fail? Well, I didn't learn it. I, I had to learn the hard way, so so do they. I'm not showing them that shortcut. How do I talk about my teammates? What do I say about them to those other people who are asking me questions? All these things matter, you guys. Let's be a good team as we represent God together in our world. Number four, the power of servanthood. And this is really where everything is set up for this point. We see Jesus being really honest about his future. We see the disciples not understanding and asking for stuff they shouldn't be asking for. We see this whole world of truth that God is saying. We see dysfunction among the team. And then we come to this point in verse 42. And I love how it says, so, so Jesus called them together. Why does it say so? It says so because they're fighting. Because he knows the ten are bickering and the two want special privileges. And he's like, okay, guys, come here. We got a problem. Huddle up. You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people. And officials flaunt their authority over those under them. And that was Rome. That was the Jewish culture. I mean, they wanted a low life to feel like a low life, even though there isn't such a thing. And boy, these guys grew up in this culture and everyone is scratching and fighting to climb on the top of something to be identified. That's why they were so excited to be with Jesus and, and the kingdom that they're gonna be leaders in. It's all they knew. But among you, it will be different. I hope they were listening. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. What? Whoever wants to be first, you must be the slave of everyone else. That is shocking. Their, their jaws just dropped. And then the key verse, verse 45. Even the Son of Man, even me who is fully God, came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Wow. This was not expected. This, this really isn't what they thought they signed up for. God is faithful to make adjustments in our lives when we need to relearn something. I remember, I, I've shared this story before, but it's been years, and there was a guy named Bill Piker in our church from Arkansas, back when we were in the other building. Does anybody ever remember Bill? It's been years ago. And he, they only lived here for a couple of years, but he really influenced my life. He was a, a credentialed minister, and, and he just, he just felt like he was supposed to move here and, and help us in our church. And I didn't know how to use him. I wish I could go back and redo that a little bit. But um, he was a prayer warrior. And Bill, would he loved to come into the church and, and walk around the building and pray. And so, you know, 
we would get here in the morning and there'd be Bill's old truck sitting out there and we'd walk in with him and all of a sudden he'd start in the auditorium and we had pews over in that other building and he'd and he, he, was, he was from Arkansas. He had this, this southern accent, and, and he prayed loud. He, he'd be like, this is kind of how he'd pray. Oh, God, this weekend, I don't know who's going to be sitting in this chair right here, but I pray your anointing will fall on him. You'd hear him up in the classrooms. Every kid, every boy, every girl, every young person that walks into this room, may they know the touch of God in their life. And, and he, he'd pray like that, and he'd walk around, and, and we're all hearing him. It's like a spirit in the building. So finally, I said, Bill, we can hear you all over this building. You know, you got appointments coming in. I said, he said, can I come early? I get up early. I'd like to pray from 6 to 8. I said, yes, here's a key. <laughs> Bill would come in. He'd pray through the church. He anointed everything with oil. <laughs> That's why our chairs got ruined eventually. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> he, was, he was quite a guy. And one day, about 10 o'clock in the morning, I get this call and Joyce, the same secretary I was telling you about, we, we had a real fancy system that didn't work. We had these big old phones with these red, this big red block button on the left side. Do you guys remember those? And then like lines going across them. And she said, our intercom system didn't work. She's like, Pastor Derry down the hall. Bill's on line one. I'm like, we only have one line yet, so, you know. Hi, Bill. Hey, Pastor Derek, do you have a second? Sure. God's put something on my heart to do right now. I'm 10 minutes away. Meet me back by the back door by the gym, by the kitchen. I said, is everything okay? Yep, see you in a minute. Click. So I, I get up, I walk back there, and I hear his old truck. I think it was missing a muffler or something. but His old truck pulls in, he parks, he gets out. And I open that back door. It's this big gym. It's empty. And he just walks right through. He says, hi. And he goes and gets one of those old blast. I don't know if we have any up here. Those plastic black chairs that you're not sure they'll hold you. Do you know what I'm talking about? And just little flimsy things. And he sets it in the middle of the gym floor. There's no one in there. It's not, the lights aren't even on. But there's windows. So there's a little light. And he says, could you sit down here? God's put something on my heart. And I, I said, Okay sat down, and he goes off to the kitchen, and I'm just sitting there. <laughs> I hear water going, I hear some pots and pans, and all of a sudden he comes walking out with this big basin of water, and he comes right in front of me, and he kneels down on his knees in front of me, and he says, God has put it on my heart to wash your feet and to say a specific prayer over you. And I said, No. You're not praying over me, and you're not washing my feet. I think God wants me to wash your feet. And he's like, no, no. He grabs my feet like, <laughs> like, let go. He unlaces my shoes, and I'm like, I'm, I don't want this to happen. I don't know. It, maybe it was false humility or pride. I don't know. But it was very embarrassing. If God ever asks you to wash my feet, say no. <laughs> Period. gets my shoes off, my socks off. Oh, I'm still disgusted by that. Puts my feet in this basin of water, grabs my feet, doesn't really wash them, he just grabs them and says, I'm going to say the prayer that God put on my heart. 
I said, okay. And I'm not kidding. This is almost word for word. Super short. God, help Pastor Derry to remember that his calling is to always wash feet. Help him to never, ever forget that. Amen. And he pulls my feet out of the bucket, puts a towel around him, hops up and says, I got to go, I'm late. I'm, I'm emotional. This was a very emotional moment. And I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of weeping. And, and he just gets up and walks out the side door. And I'm just sitting in the middle of the gym with my feet. <laughs> Facilities, like, they walk in and they're like, you okay? <laughs> Go away. I wish I could say I have lived up to that. I haven't. But I'll never forget it. And that is my calling. And sometimes I don't always get it right, neither do you. But we must remember we are called by God to serve. That's what it's all about. There's nothing greater. There's nothing greater. There's no title or position that is greater than being a servant. And here's the thing. It's even to serve people who don't deserve it. Can you believe that? This week I want you to think about two things, and then we're just going to pray, and we're do I'm done. First one is I really want to challenge you to examine your wants. You know, I I've had a week to do this in the sermon, and man, I had to change some of my wants, honestly. Because I, I was convicted, like, man, okay, I don't, it's not evil, it's nothing bad, but I don't think I, I want that anymore. I don't think that is really what you want for me to want. And by the end of the week, I, I, I hope it can stay like this. I hope you're saying things like, not, I want a new whatever. I hope you're saying things like, I want to serve. I want to give of myself, my time my energy, my dollars. I want to help. Wow. Because that is a God trait that has to grow and develop inside of your soul or you won't be good at it. Discover, number two, discover a place to serve. Discover a place where you can really invest. You know, maybe it's with kids, maybe not. If you don't like middle school students, do not sign up to serve middle school students. <laughs> Pastor James, I would say that. I, I was thinking about kind of the rules of serving, and let me just give you three kind of concepts about this that I want you to think about. First of all, I can serve just by seeing the need. If, if you get out of your automobile and you're walking to this building and you see an old paper plate that someone dropped in the parking lot from these food trucks, you can see that there's a need to pick that up and put it in the trash, right? You don't have to stop and say, Lord, should I go get facilities? There's a dirty plate over here in the parking lot. No, you just pick it up and throw it away. You see the need. I've served. You've served. Where you just see the need and you do it. That's easy. 
But the second one is, will I be willing to go through a process to really discover my gifts? Will I spend a little time maybe with someone walking through, looking at my personality type? We have all these kind of tools to help you do that, but you've got to spend the time to do it. And we can figure out what you're really good at and what you're passionate about. That's why we have that phrase, you know, where your passion meets God's purpose because you really need to love what you're doing or you won't do it well. And that takes time and energy. The third one is even a little more complicated and deeper, and that is if you're going to serve in a setting with a team, you're going to have to learn how to respond properly to authority. Well, I don't do it that way. Well, this is how we do it here. Well, then I'm not going to do it. Okay. You're out. There's a, there's a process. Will I see the need? Will I be equipped to know my gifts? And will I respond properly to authority? All authority is given. It's never taken. Even Jesus said, all authority is given me by my Father. You don't have authority over anybody unless they give it to you. You might be their boss, but inside they're not responding to your authority unless they willfully do it. And that's what kingdom living is. It's willfully responding to God's authority and those he's put in authority in a healthy way. I want you to pray about those things this week and ask the question, God, where am I serving? And let me just be clear. I'm not just talking about Timberline Church. I don't want you to limit your serving to this place. I'm talking about your neighborhood. I'm talking about where you work. That place of employment needs you desperately. Serving people well, ordained by God to be there. Let's pray. Lord, we love you today. We thank you for James and John who helped us learn a lesson thank you for your words about serving though they are not always what we want we say yes remind us today of this great call you put on our lives and, and upon this church, your church we can't do it in our own strength we need a real anointing to serve our community Lord there's enough of us here at Timberline to touch our whole city happen. May we be faithful. If there's any person here online or in this room that doesn't know you personally, I just pray right now you would lovingly knock on the door of their heart and they can say yes to following you. If that's you and I'm talking to you, just say right now, Lord, I surrender to you. I believe in you. I'm going to trust you. I want to start the journey. And you'll learn, you'll grow. It won't happen all, all in one moment, but you'll learn. And you'll begin to trust him with everything you have. It's a beautiful life that he has in mind for you. Lord, we say yes, give us a great experience. Help us to just enjoy one another. Help us to laugh as we go through life. Help us to cry together, journey together, dream together your dreams for our future. It's fun to be in it with you, and uh, we're not alone. He's our leader, and we're trying to listen to him. We don't always get it right, but we're going to try. We're going to put every effort we have into hearing his voice as a church in every direction, every major decision we make, and uh, let's do it together. Amen.
Hey, sing this song one more time. Would you stand if you're able? Let's declare these lyrics, powerful lyrics. one more time before we go out of here. We love you, Lord. Amen. We love you. Wow. I want our prayer team to come. There, there's some of you that need, you're going through something this week. I just talked to uh, a couple of, of guys in a family that lost a, a dad and a mom this week. And I just thought, wow. And to be able to pray with them. Some of you just, the stuff you're facing unrelated to the message, that's why we're here. We'd love to pray with you about it. Come on up and let us just agree with you for whatever need you might have today. If you're new to Timberline, I'd love to meet you. Our team would love to meet you. And just left of guest services, when you go out the back door, there's a table back there and there's some people with some orangey yellow shirts on that says welcome or volunteer. They'll, they'll answer any questions you have about the church. And so if you just want to take a couple minutes and say, hey, when is this? What is that? Go do that. Uh, before you go today. And the rest of you, go by and buy some food, hang out. It's a beautiful day out there. Let your kids play a little while. Let's have some food. Look at all the ministries that are out there. Amen. Amen. Hey, let love live. Say it with me. Let love live. God bless you. Have a great weekend. Thank you for being Timberline.